Good evening and welcome to another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank and Dichter, and got an, as usual, we pretty much have a lot to talk about. Yankees are coming off a rough three-game sweep at the hands of the Boston Red Sox this weekend at Yankee Stadium. In addition, the Mets, they have had a bit of an up-and-down week. They split a series with the San Diego Padres and then finished off their road trip against the Baltimore Orioles also with the split, but we'll be talking about a lot of that and in addition, some of the MLB leaders, but first... Before I get into anything else, I'd like to please advise you to give us a follow on all our forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and give us a subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. And let's start by getting right into it with some of the NMLB leaders. First, I'm going to talk about some of the batting average leaders. Nick Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds is hitting 355, leading the entire league, with his teammate Jesse Winker not too far behind at 346. Other guys who are having good seasons are Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's hitting 330, only five points off for the American League lead. And uh, Adam Frazier of the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's probably the lone bright spot of that team that's having an otherwise horrible season, is having a 329 battering average. Other hitters are doing pretty well. Cedric Mullins is at 323. Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox, 321. And a little bit ahead of his teammate, J.D. Martinez, 313. And then you got Chris Bryant hitting 307. So, that's your. These are the guys for your uh, batting average. And uh, Cedric Mullins, I also want to go on for a little bit of tangent. He's prop. He's the leading leader of the Baltimore Orioles in terms of hitting. And uh, you know, the Orioles are a team that you know they may not be winning a lot of games, but you can see the progress is there. They've got a lot of other good hitters in their lineup, and one of them that I'm about to talk about pretty soon, Trey Mancini, is among the league leaders in RBIs. But as far as home runs, you got Ronald Acuna and Vlad Guerrero Jr. tied with 18. Vlad Guerrero, I think, could very well be a serious MVP candidate early on. You also got pretty much a big tie at around second and third place. Shohei Otani has 17. He's only one behind. He actually had a 470-foot bomb this weekend in Anaheim. That guy is extremely talented and someone that I always try to watch just, just in case, just see how he does. He's really entertaining to see. And uh, show um, Fernando Tatis, he actually reached that list this weekend. He hit a home run against the Mets. He's now at 17. And uh, Jesse Winker, who I mentioned is second in batting average, is also at 17. He's solid under the radar player. And then, then you got other guys like Adolis Garcia, who has 16 for the Texas Rangers. He's a guy who could potentially be a rookie of the year candidate and very well could win. And then also guys like Rafael Devers and Aaron Judge, Tyler O'Neill all have 15 and uh, let's move over to the RBIs. 
again, not too surprising. You've got a few Red Sox in the, on this list. Rafael Devers is leading the league with 48. He's in a three-way tie with the league lead for Vlad, with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows is definitely one of Tampa Bay's better hitters for sure. So not surprised to see him here. You also got Jose Abreu, Jesus Aguilar, and Trey Mancini is not too far behind. Again, I talked about him on another episode with Brady Reuter, fellow Orioles fan. He is a great story. Nice, nice to see him doing well after a comeback from cancer. And glad to see him at one of the top of the list and what's really a team category. That's why I really like RBIs in particular. But anyways, other guys on this list, Adoles Garcia, who I just mentioned, possible rookie of the year winner. Randall Gritchuk of the Blue Jays got 44 RBIs. Shohei Otani, again, not surprised he's on this list. And Yuli Gurriel. And let's get to the, some of the starting pitching staffs. Aaron Saval of the Cleveland Indians is leading with eight. Cleveland has seems to have a reputation for developing pitchers really well. And it makes sense since you have Shane Bieber, who's also at the top of this wins list. And in addition, you got guys like Jack Flaherty and Julio Urias, who are in a three-way tie with Saval for eight wins. And then... Not surprising, you got Garrett Cole up there in addition to Nathan Yavaldi, Kevin Gosman, Kyle Hendricks. There's a lot of guys here who are having career seasons. Kevin Gosman in particular, he is has a 1.27 ERA, and if it wasn't for a certain Mets pitcher, he'd probably be the clear-cut favorite for Cy Young Award winner. But you got Lance Lynn, who's having another solid season for the White Sox. And speaking of really good Mets pitchers, let's get to ERA. Jacob deGrom, no, that's not a typo. 0.62 earned run average. That is a record for hot, lowest ERA among nine starts. And let me put this in perspective for you guys. There have been guys like Bob Gibson, Christy, Ma- well, Christy Mathewson, there was no ERA when he was pitching. He, he pitched that long ago. But Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, and Pedro Martinez were all unstoppable when they were in their prime. None of them have accomplished what Jacob deGrom has done so far this season, which is really saying something. And I think without a doubt, if the season ended today, he's definitely winning that Cy Young Award, especially if he keeps this up. And yeah, the Mets are very lucky that they don't have just him, but other good pitchers. But anyways, as far as other ERA leaders, you got Lance Lynn, Kevin Gaussman, Brandon Woodruff, Trevor Rogers of the Marlins is a solid under-the-radar pitcher. And you also have Kyle Gibson, Freddie Peralta, and Max Scherzer also having good years. And John Means, I think, is pretty much carrying the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. His ERA is at 2.28, and it's safe to say he's been pretty much a key for them winning some games early in the season, especially with that no-hitter. But anyways, we got a few comments so far. Thomas Scavetta of Review and Preview says, let's go Mets. <laughs> hey, well, you've got a you've got a record record than I do. You've had a pretty good weekend so far. Good for you. And uh, I love this comment. Marty Jones says, Sidney Ponson over Jacob DeGrom. Well, Sidney Ponson might not even be doing as well as one of your other good pitchers right now in your starting rotation. And obviously I'm talking about John Means, but, you know, again, I remember Sidney Ponson too, actually. He was a Yankee briefly in 2008. But uh, anyways, speaking of the Mets, let's talk about them. They've had a pretty decent week so far. And as always, when I talk about the New York teams, I'm going to pull up the standings for you guys. So the Mets this week, they're one of the bigger takeaways besides pitching. The last seven games, their offense has improved significantly. James McCann is hitting 346, three home runs, 10 RBIs. It's looking like a better investment for the Mets every day. Pete Alonso, ever since he came back from the DL, he has been doing nothing but rake. 370 batting average, three home runs, 
one of which happened yesterday, actually. And Francisco Lindor, 346 one and a home run. That's a guy who I figured would only get better at a matter of time. And um, Tom has another comment, Degoat. And uh, yeah, let's talk about Degoat, shall we? As I as I mentioned, he is at a, he has a six point zero point six two ERA, incredible. And actually, there are he's probably got off to the best start in his own team too, because when you think of the Mets and their history, they have had a lot of great pitchers over the years, including but not limited to guys like Tom Seaver and Dwight Gooden. Both of them have had amazing seasons, and they are two of your former Cy Young Award winners. And uh, you know, Dwight Gooden's nineteen eighty five season was historic, but he didn't do what Jacob deGrom did this year, which was have a 0.62 RRA. It's absolutely unreal. And, you know, the scary part about the Mets rotation is that it's not just deGrom. Taiwan Walker is also pretty – is also among the league leaders in the ERA. And Marcus Stroman's been another key piece in that rotation. He had a good win against San Diego Padres last weekend. And, you know, I think the scary part is once Carlos Carrasca and – Carrasco and uh, Noah Syndergaard return from their injuries, you know, that, that rotation is going to be even more lethal. And, you know, it begs the question, does David Peterson and or Luke or Joey Lucchese, I think that's his name. Do either of them get set down once they get back, which, you know, Lucchese has been, he struggled at the start of the season, but he's getting better as of late. David Peterson, on the other hand, got shelled. So I could imagine maybe Peterson's the one that ends up being the odd man out, but we'll see. I think, Really, this is a good problem that for them to have. And let's talk a little bit more about their offense. Their bench depth has been absolutely vital. You've had players like Mason Williams and Billy McKinney, who, oddly enough, are actually both former Yankee far hands. Mason Williams actually came up through the Yankee system. He appeared briefly in 2017. And Billy McKinney, as I mentioned, was traded to the Yankees for a world as Chapman. They have made some big contributions. In Baltimore, they had a six-home run game. Two of those home runs came from Kevin Pillar. Two of them came from Billy McKinney. And so... Who knows? Maybe this is a revival of Billy McKinney's career. He bounced around multiple teams. It wasn't just the Yankees. Start with the Cubs. I mentioned he came to the Yankees in the oldest Chapman trade. And in addition, he went to the Toronto Blue Jays when they, I think he was in the JA half trade, if I remember correctly. But yeah, they've been doing pretty well. And again, like the offense, they they still aren't fully healthy. Jeff McNeil and Luis Guillorme seem to me that they're getting pretty close enough to a return. And I know McNeil is getting a rehab assignment where he's starting. So I think having those guys in the lineup, that'll definitely make their lineup even better. And, you know, it begs the question again, who's going to get sent down in the minor leagues. It seems to me that Jose Peraza probably is. I mean, I know he's had some good stretches, but unfortunately for them, there's a lot of guys in that roster. It's, it's going to be really deep once everybody's healthy. So somebody has to be the odd man out. And um, Let's go over the standings quickly before I talk about the Yankees and before I bring on our special guest of the day, Ben Cruz. He's a Red Sox fan. He is actually a returning guest. He is waiting backstage, and uh, that should be a fun discussion for sure. But anyways, for the uh, NLE standings, you've got the Mets. are Mets are actually tied in the win column with Philadelphia. Remember, they had a lot of games postponed due to COVID and due to other various rainouts, but they're 30-24, and 24, seven games up in the loss column, of course, but three and a half games overall, and... Atlanta, they're four games ahead. And then you got Washington, which is seven games out of first place. I think we don't know what they're going to do come. We don't, they have talent. They could very well sell off one of their players, but unless they start making a run, I don't know if they're going to have the time to catch up to the Mets. And 
Miami, again, they have a young and promising team. I just don't know if they're quite ready to compete yet. But with that being said, it's another been another interesting week for the Mets, and uh, I'm looking forward to see how everything else plays out for them. Now, though, I think it's time to bring on our guest pretty soon. There was a big series over the weekend between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Some great games, even though none of them were in my favor. However, we do have one guy coming up that will be very happy to discuss this with us. Our returning guest of Hitting for the Cycle, Ben Cruz. Ben, how's it going? Doing well, thank, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. No problem. Welcome back. It's uh, I believe this is your second appearance on one of my shows. This is going to be another fun discussion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, it was the second time. Yeah, so uh, I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. You're a good person to talk to with regard to this stuff. But um, anyways, let's talk about the Yankees series, shall we? So get, coming into the series, the Red Sox, the Yankees actually beaten the Sox 16 of their last team, 17 games of bronze. I believe the only game the Sox won in that stretch was it was an early Jude game in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. That actually was a four-game series of a short and a three because of rain. And um, matter of fact, you guys haven't even won a series at in the Bronx since August – August 11th through 13th, 2017. If you remember, that was the oldest Chapman Raphael Dever series. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts going into that series? Did you think that something was bound to change? Well, I just hope, hopefully, just wanted to win. I mean, we, we struggled at the stadium for so long, Yankee Stadium. Uh, I know last year it was just a terrible year for us anyway, but um, even the year before, we just struggled big time. So, um, no, it's good to you know, get, get a win at the stadium and let alone sweep, which I was extremely surprised about, but I'm very uh, happy about. So, um, yeah, but you know, for sure, it's the first series against you guys. So of course, you know, things can go in your favor, things can go in ours, but I think it'll just come to show that, you know, we're a solid ball club, you know, obviously we're having trouble this year with the Astros. I mean, it just comes to show, but, you know, we're not also a team that's going to go down without a fight either. So I was pleased with how it went, but obviously it was a lot more serious, and we'll see how it goes the rest of the way. Yeah, and as we speak right now, the Red Sox and the Astros should be starting very soon. I believe the yeah, first pitch was scheduled. Right now, so as we oh, nice. We've the first pitch was scheduled at uh, 7-10. And, um, yeah, no, I was surprised. I've forgotten that the Yankees had won all three of the regular season series in Yankee Stadium in your world championship season mm-hmm. as you're repping on your hat in 2018. But, um, yeah, no, I think – I'll tell you what. Going into game one, that was actually the game I knew for sure the Yankees were going to lose. And let me tell you why. Because, first of all, you're starting Michael King. I didn't know how long that guy was going to go. You know – he was a really good long relief pitcher, but I wasn't sure whether it was going to be a, a nice long start or like another one of those opener things that they sometimes like to do. But with that having been said, I, he got off to a rough start right out of the gate. It was, I believe it was Rafael Devers who hit a, it was a, what was it? A 429 foot bomb in the left field. He had, and he had had trouble hitting fastballs, but it seemed to me that he was adjusting accordingly to those pitches. Yeah, Rafi is obviously a guy that has had some trouble this year with the fastball, but when he can turn on it, uh, especially this year, uh, his barrel speed or rate, I haven't seen it, but it's some of the best in the big league. So I was able to turn on one and uh, absolutely, uh, you know, corked it right into the monster, and it was a good way to kind of not only start that game but start the series uh, for us. So, um, you know, I thought Michael Kane, as the game went on, I thought he pitched pretty well, honestly. Uh, but to get that start and then for Nate Avali to settle in, which 
Nate's pitched pretty well in Yankee Stadium in the past. Obviously, he was with the Yankees for a little uh, while with you guys, too. But uh, with the Sox itself, I thought he pitched well uh, and uh, was able to get that win. And then if you want to talk about the rest of the series, uh, you know, you guys were up 3-1 on Saturday. Uh, I think it was, yeah, 3-1, I believe. I don't uh, – yeah. And Juan Rodriguez, who's actually pitched tonight, he's had some – you know, he's supposed to be one of our best, better pitchers, but he, you know, coming from COVID, you know, excuses, you know, I can make excuses here and there, but he hasn't been the same guy he was with a 19 game winner a couple of years right. ago. Um, but obviously he built it up. He won five good innings. I thought, you know, he had that one hiccup to Glaber on that home run, but uh, besides that, you know, he kept us in the game and the offense was able to kind of get things going a little bit um, against Tyon, I believe pitched on that uh, Saturday. Uh, so, um, you got to the bullpen too, I thought, which is a yeah. good as well. And then Sunday, Sunday was kind of a crazy one. If you guys remember that extra inning game. Oh my uh, gosh. I was at that game. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was one of the more, probably one of the more exciting crowds in a while. Well, obviously a while, cause it'd been a while for mm-hmm. me to really go into any sporting event, but like the fact of the matter is the juice, the juice was there and it, it was definitely, it definitely had a playoff like atmosphere. And I totally missed that. Yeah, I obviously miss the crowd hype to the Yankees Sox, especially both teams are going to be within reach. I mean, I know the Yanks because it kind of struggled the last couple games, but uh, I think they'll be fine. I mean, they just have too much of a talented team, I think, to really fall down here. Um, but but Sunday we got a little bit lucky. You know, I know Barnes uh, had the hiccup of the ninth. Barnes, Matt mm-hmm. Barnes uh, really has had a pretty good year. I'm not going to lie, you know. The last couple of seasons, you know, I don't know if it was the role that he played in, but he was just such a good – uh, he's been such a you know, reliable pitcher this year. I think our bullpen's kind of been a little bit uh, – the bullpen against the Yankees I thought was very good. You know, we we really kind of shut you guys down uh, for the most part. You know, Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge at the end of the day. But I think overall, besides that, I think the lineup for the Yankees we were able to pretty much do uh, – pretty much handle for the most part. So, yeah, um, you know, obviously that strike three calling Odor, I mean – in the ninth inning, I, I I don't know what that ump was seeing. I mean, heck, I'll take it. You know, it's just one of those, you know, mm-hmm. lucky. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know, wins a win. And uh, a sleep is obviously great, but obviously there's a lot more left to come uh, between us. And, uh, you know, we'll play you guys at Fenway at the – I believe at the end of the month because obviously we, yes. our first matchup was kind of later uh, in this season. We usually will play you guys in, like, April or, you know, whatever time that is, but mm-hmm. we didn't start playing you guys until, you know, this past month. So, you know, obviously uh, we were going to get, you could play you guys more in the summer and obviously it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And uh, folks, if you're watching, please, if you want to drop a comment on the Yankees and the Red Sox or both of us while we're talking, please don't, don't be shy about doing so. We would love to hear your opinions. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well. And, most importantly, we would love to interact with you guys who are watching on the side. But uh, in any event, yeah, I think that's a good analysis of the series. Now, let me tell you, one of the other reasons that I knew the Yankees were going to win, or sorry, we're going to lose game one of that series was because, like you mentioned, Nathan Uvalde. This is a guy, former Yankee. We remember what happened in game three of the ALDS 2018. I unfortunately happened to have the bad pleasure of being at that game as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, in any event, he was a guy I really thought the Yankees could have used over the past few years. And this isn't just my hindsight talking. I've always thought that Nathan Yavaldi was like a pitcher who had good stuff. You just didn't know whether he could have it at all the times. Like, in other words, he was a bit wild. But 
he seemed to like have a bit of rejuvenation when coming back to the Red Sox after having that, having that Tommy John surgery. And, you know, I think every time he pitches the Yankees, the, the other reason I know I'm not confident is because, you know, it's the psychology of an athlete. Like whenever they're playing against their old team, you know, you know, they're going to be extra motivated. Like ask any athlete and they'll tell you, even though, even if they won't say it right out loud, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, uh, Another thing that kind of fueled the Red Sox is obviously the Brick Gardner. I don't know if you saw that interview about, you know, Alex Cora and all that type of stuff. And obviously Gardner really didn't back up his words quite well, of course, when it seemed like, which heck I'll take. But uh, obviously that kind of brought fuel to the fire. And Avali was kind of pitching, uh, you know, to his uh, speed around 99 or whatever against him. So right. uh, see, I don't know if there was any type of tension over there, but obviously uh, – you know, uh, the, the, this Red Sox team understands that, you know, in the past that they've had some uh, rough times at uh, the stadium in the Bronx. And uh, I really will take yeah. uh, take a sweep, well, take a win, let alone a sweep. So, um, yeah, for sure. Good to see. Yeah. And, you know, I think his his pitching has also helped because you also have guys like Garrett Richards, Nick Pavetta and Martin Perez. Nick Pavetta in particular has been the one guy that's really stood out in your rotation, in my opinion, although part of that might have to do with run support, but still the fact of the matter is it's a good culture change. And I think it's really done him good. And I, I definitely think having Evaldi coming back and having a bounce back year after the disaster of last year, which you really can't fall on him because like, I think everybody knew that the 2020 season for the Red Sox was going to be a tank year. So it's nice to see Nathan Evaldi bounce back. Well, not necessarily for me, more for you, but you get what I mean. But yeah. Yeah, no. And uh, what did you think about the debut of, uh, I believe his name was Hiro- Hirokaza Sawamura? He got six big outs in that game, too, at the end. Yeah, Sawamura uh, we got from uh, the Japanese league or whatever. And uh, a lot of people say that he kind of reminds, at least reminds me of Koji Uehara, who was with us uh, for obviously the 2013 run. He had the, the strikeout on Matt Carpenter at Fenway, obviously, which was a great memory for me. But he, um, yeah. That he that was he, unstoppable. I remember him. Yeah, Yohara was a good good closer for us. Was he the MVP uh, of the ALCS too? I don't remember. It was kind of a while ago, but uh, you know, has had his you know command issues at times, but uh, he was pretty locked in uh, against the Yankees, uh, which is good. And um, he he pitched pretty well on Monday against Miami. He had some key outs. He had some key big outs. Um, you know, I heard from Cora today that he might have to go in the IL actually, which be be, be kind of a uh, Tough thing to hear because he's been one of our oh, better flipping guys. But, um, you know, between him, the Ottavino, you know, he's had some problems with his command the last, you know, month or two, but he's really starting to kind of pick things around. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, who we got from the Rule 5 from you guys, and it's been a great story so far. So, and obviously Barnes. Uh, you know, we have a couple guys in the bullpen that have obviously had some man problems, walk some guys. But as a whole, I think, you know, I could take anything, you know, better than obviously them last year and, uh, a lot of key key guys, and you got to give a lot of credit to to Hein Bloom, our general manager. You know, getting Nick Pavetta, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, obviously a guy in Philly that really struggled uh, with a lot of things there, and was able to kind of get you know himself you know back on track here in Boston. Uh, and then Garrett Richards, obviously, you know, Garrett seemed like a guy that had a lot of problems when he came here, but I think he's really started to turn things around. Um. But, uh, yeah, I think he's really starting to build some type of culture that I really like. And, uh, you know, it might not happen overnight or a year or two, but it might happen the next couple of years, and I'll take that for sure. 
Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, I think you definitely also have to be encouraged by Eduardo Rodriguez improving and pitching his first game in June after coming off it was a really disastrous May. I think he was one and four with a seven point two eight ERA. And we gave up that home run to Glaber Torres, which really no shame there. Glaber's one of our better hitters, which isn't mm-hmm. saying much considering the other half of our lineup. But you know, I think that definitely had to have been encouraging. And you know, I I I don't really think that ERA is indicative of performance. I think like you, I'm kind of of the belief that like, you know, may, he hadn't been pitching for a while. I think he's also bouncing back from COVID. And look, I've seen that in hockey with one of my guys. Mika Zibanejad had a really rough start to the season, but you know, he got he got better once I think he was once he felt better from all the after effects of COVID. Like that stuff is no joke. So I I totally can't really shame Erod, and I think it's. Good for him that he bounced back. I just it just stinks that it had to be against the Yankees, but oh well, it is what it is. Well, I mean, in a lot of the starts that he kind of did struggle, uh, his fastball command velocity usually averages like 94, 95. And it's still been averaging a top 92, 93, but it was able to, at least in the first couple innings against the Yankees, get to even 94, 95, even a 96. Um, I think I don't know who it was two. I might have been a get ins one of your up and coming type of guys. Um, but I think that he's starting to kind of get his, you know, his velocity is starting to get, you know, up. Yeah. it's more of his command. If he gets his command going, right. then, uh, you know, it should be good. And let's not even forget here, uh, Chris sale, you know, Chris sale, oh, uh, that's obviously right. he's been throwing, uh, we don't know how much of a Chris sale I'm expecting, but obviously it's a good positive sign that he's been thrown off the mound this week at Fenway. He's been around the uh, starting rotation guys and Ovaldi, uh, you know, Perez, all those type of guys. So I think it's a good sight to see, too, um, as a Sox fan, uh, for uh, Sale to be around the uh, team and hopefully pitch by, like, the end of, like, you know, uh, July, probably early August is my guess. Now, we actually have a question from Tom here, and I think we'll probably be discussing this more in depth later on during this whole segment, but – he asked, does the AL East get three playoff teams? I'm going to say straight up, absolutely. Like, I don't know who the the uh, odd man out is going to be, but I definitely think that by the end of the year, there, there will be no less than three teams in the AL East because you look at the other divisions, I don't think the AL Central, I think really the only clear-cut winner there is Chicago, and I think, yeah. I don't know if Cleveland and Minnesota, I did not expect Huge them. disappointment. Huge Kansas disappointment. City, though, they get, they had a good start, but I unfortunately I wasn't quite sure if it was going to be sustainable. Yeah, and there's really nobody else in the AL Central I I can really think of besides maybe the Indians that's going to compete with Chicago for that division. But there's no doubt in my mind they're winning in spite of their in spite of their geriatric manager. And uh, in the AL West, obviously you got the Houston Astros and the Oakland A's. That's really about it. I feel like I feel like both of them will probably do well, but I think one of them might end up having a bad nosedive and giving. Given the history of the A's and their track record, I have a feeling it's going to be Houston taking it and Oakland finds a way to have a bad collapse and just miss the playoffs. But that's my honest take. I'm obviously, like I said, I think we'll get more into the AL East. What about you? Yeah, to answer Tom's question, it's a a really good question because, you know, the AL East, if you look about it, there could be between the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. All of those teams during the season have shown that they've been good quality opponents yeah. against each other so far. Um, you know, obviously you have the Orioles aside, and, you know, they had some good stories here and there, but they're a rebuilding type of year. You know, obviously it's going to take a while, at least a couple of years, for that Orioles team to get back to, you know, a contention type of team. But, uh, you know, 
if there's any type of injuries, obviously it could shape some things up. But, um, you know, the Blue Jays are a very exciting team. They've, they've been even good without George Springer for a lot of the year, which has been really remarkable. Um, obviously, the Red Sox have been a surprise. They could be a sleeper. They can potentially get into a wild card. And then obviously you got Tampa, which obviously you can't discredit, you know, can't get out. And then obviously the Yankees, you can't get out either. So. Um, and now my mom asked another question. Do you agree with Michael Kay that wins against the Twins are insignificant? I don't really think there's such a thing as an insignificant win. I would I would describe that as an oxymoron, if anything. Like the Yankees needed this series win against the Twins. Like they pounded the ball against Minnesota, which I wish they could have done more this weekend, but you know. The fact of the matter is they got better hitting-wise. Do I think that they're starting to turn the corner? It's too early to say. I mean, look, as I talked about with you earlier, I don't think the Twins – the Twins are a non-factor. We know that. They don't – they aren't quite on the level of, like, most of the other teams in the division. But I wouldn't really say they're insignificant, but I also wouldn't necessarily say that the wins against the Twins are having me all hyped up and puffing up my chest like it's a big deal. No, that – it's another win against the Twins, but by no and by no means do I think it's insignificant. And, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, I was just kind of uh, back back on terms of the uh, the question. Yeah, the Yankees obviously needed these wins, but uh, you know, if I was in your shoes, you know, you guys have really pretty much owned the Twins for a long period of time. So, uh, you know, not only you guys needed the wins, but in terms of the matchups, the Twins pitching is a favorable yeah. matchup for that Yankees offense. Uh, you know, outside of Josh Johnson, Nelson Cruz, they their offense. We played them earlier in this year, and it's not that good. A lot, not as good as I expected. Um, so, I mean, if you look at that, their their gloves, you know, the field is not very good. I think they had a couple errors against guys the other night. Their bullpen's yeah. a mess. Their starting pitching is just all over the place. So, it should be a team that you should be able to yeah. at least win a couple games against. Um, but obviously, you know, wins a win, regardless of who you play. And obviously, you know, we probably should be, uh, you know, happy that at least it'll, you know, get you guys at least, but kind of, I don't say back on track, but kind of, you know, a stepping stone to hopefully some type of streak here. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think, you know, this was the Twins are a team that's like, if you really think about it, they're built the same way as the Yankees, essentially. Like, they're a team that relies on going all or nothing with by hitting the home runs. But the problem is, that doesn't exactly translate into being a fundamentally sound team. And if you've watched the Yankees over the past few months, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're like a powerful team. Cause like, look, they're either going to hit a home run or they strike out. And uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. It's not really so much home run strikeout, but the real problem is they don't get the big hits in a timely matter. Like it's not that they haven't gotten the big hits at all. It's, it's not, it hasn't happened in a timely matter. They'll hit into double. Whenever there's a runner on first and second, oh. they'll you can always count on them to hit into a double play. And I'm going to get into that once I talk more in deep depth about the third game of this series. Like the And the Twins, I think, are a worse version of that because they're really like all or nothing. And what's worse for the Twins is they don't have a Garrett Cole or like a, or other guys in the rotation that can really keep them afloat. So, yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. And so moving on, let's talk about some of your hitters. Like, Kike Hernandez is a guy that I talked about in my last episode. We had a Red Sox guest last week, too, actually. Alec Waltz's name. Recommend checking out his YouTube channel. It's called Down the Block Sports. He's a really knowledgeable sports fan. I think you definitely like him. But in any event, we talked about Kike Hernandez last week, and I mentioned we mentioned that he probably shouldn't be hitting leadoff anymore, and they moved him down to sixth spot. And 
you know, it seems like that worked out pretty well because he got the game winning hit. And so do you think he's better suited to be lower in the order? And as far as the leadoff spot goes, what do you think the Red Sox should probably do about that going forward? Do you think they're better off with Danny Santana or is Uh, this going to be something that Alex Cora is going to have to figure out over the course of the season? It's, it's a struggle right now. That's one of our weaknesses is our leadoff situation has been a mess all year. Um, obviously, we have Jaron Duran coming up, uh, and and I don't know how much longer it'll take. You know, he's been raking it down in Worcester. Uh, but uh, hopefully that he can come up and, and really show that, you know, what he's about. Uh, but, you know, Kike, obviously, I expected more about him. Uh, he's kind of really slowed off, especially, you know, he had an injury, and then he kind of came back. He's had some – Hits here and there, but um, he's obviously a better hitter than what his average is. And then, um, you know, he so he's been kind of down the order the last couple of days during the week and uh, showing a little bit of signs in life here. But uh, Danny Santana, obviously, is a guy, you know, that, you know, will hit the ball, but he's he's not a guy that's going to be coming to show me, okay, you know, that's our solidified guy. Um, so I think Jaron Duran's the guy. I mean, Alex Verdugo, I think, is a really good option. I really mm-hmm. like Boogie either number one or number two. Maybe have Verdugo one, Rafael Devers back in second. Uh, but I think Cora really likes Devers in fifth behind Xander. So right. um, there, there's different types of ways we can go at the layoff hole, but obviously it's a big um, concern for, for our team uh, moving forward. Yeah, Alex Verdugo has been another one of your guys that's had a really good series. And, you know, I, got a, I actually got a kick out of him interacting with those fans in left field before game two. That's pretty funny. Like – it's funny. The Red Sox in years past have had certain guys that I've really despised, like over the years, cough, cough, Jason Veritek, Manny Ramirez. You're surprisingly, I never really despised Poppy that much. I actually thought mm-hmm. Poppy was a good guy, but Verdugo seems pretty chill. And I, I, I thought that was funny. Him chirping back and forth with Yankee fans for good fun. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, when we signed him, I knew he was kind of, kind of a character. Um, you know, I, I think he kind of was looked at maybe a guy that made it right, maybe right off some people, but I think he's been, a great, um, you know, hitter, a great uh, fielder, and uh, just in general, everything I think has been great uh, with them so far. Obviously, love Mookie, miss him to death. He's doing, obviously, Mookie stuff in L.A., but I think this is a guy that really fits this team right now and, and could be for, for the next couple of years. You know, obviously, you know, him and the Dodgers, obviously he didn't play every other day, um, but you've seen him with the Red Sox that he's been able to play every single day, and and he's been really to, able to show kind of what his full potential is. And I think it's been a good good thing, not only on the field, but off the field. So, Yeah, definitely. And uh, let me give you more stats that you'll probably like. Marwin Gonzalez this series, I think, was probably one of your more clutch fairs. I would, In fact, I would actually call Marwin Gonzalez your X factor. That guy went four for 11. He had five RBIs, including that two-run home run that tied the game in game three. And he also got a big hit in the second game of that series. I think that's another quiet acquisition that Heim Bloom made over the course of the season. And I think it also helps that having to have guys like Hernandez and um, Gonzalez, because like they both both have had experiences playing for World Series winners. And, you know, I, I think he, he's another guy that could potentially be your X factor in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, I expected more offensively with Marin. He... He's bad and he has a very low average, but he's mm-hmm. very personal, and I think that's what Cora likes about him. And he has made some uh, timely hits. Um, and obviously, in the Yankee series, he was very timely. He's actually a better right-handed hitter than than his uh, full uh, pull left-handed uh, type of stance. But uh, you know, 
you know, he, he's obviously a guy that Cora likes and he plays him quite often. So we'll see if he can get his average going a little bit here because uh, I think it would help that bottom of the um, lineup. So we've got a comment here from uh, Ron Dion. He says, can you comment on the recent article about Mookie Betts being on the downturn because of his size? Idea of players being 5'9 and under don't last until their 30s. I haven't even read this article, but I don't really know what to think of it. I think Mookie's like a player. Mookie's a talented player in his own right. I don't know if he's necessarily going to have that downturn. I do think he's not going to like be as good as good as the contract he's currently under with the Dodgers, but at the same time, I don't know if the idea of being players being five nine and under necessarily applies to Mookie. He's one of the best players in the game right now, and it's it's easy to see why so many people, I'm sure yourself included, I don't remember how you felt when the trade were really upset about losing him, and it's easy to see how he's helped the Dodgers winning the World Series. Although, then again, to be fair, looking at LA's roster, they probably could have won that World Series without him. But that's mm-hmm. not the point. I don't ne- know if I necessarily agree with that. I think player. I think that those are just numbers to me. I think certain players are good depending on their talent level. That's just my take on it. How about yours? Yeah, so uh, I think Mookie, with the, the contract that we gave him, I think it was like for 10 years. Um, you now the Dodgers obviously upped that a little bit more, and he wanted to take the money. So uh, obviously it sucks that we couldn't keep him for the long term. I think the ownership obviously got a lot of you know criticism for that, but – uh, you know, we, we have to figure out how to move on forward. And I think Verdugo has been a great piece uh, for, for this team. And I think Mookie, obviously, like you said, I probably agree with you. I mean, he's a talented player, one of the best in baseball. He's, he's kind of had a down year this year, I would say yeah. so far, but knowing him, he'll definitely turn around. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's just so such a good player that you know he he usually doesn't hit you know 240 where he is kind of right now or two wherever he's sitting from the low 200s. He's usually batting you know 280, 290 up there on a consistent basis. So I think that he'll be fine and he'll be the Mookie that we know about. And obviously, with the healthy Mookie bets in that Dodgers team. And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for that team, regardless if he's on it or not. But obviously, yeah. that's such a big challenge for other uh, teams to face him. Absolutely. And uh, we got another question from Tom for you. He says, Trevor Story back off the aisle tonight for the Rockies. Could the Red Sox potentially target him at the deadline? Apparently, he wants out. Now, Tom, I'm going to tell you, this is another guy that I totally would love for the Yankees to have. And for good reason. He's a guy who's like a good spray hitter, like guy who hits for average, not necessarily for like hey, might as well live up to the term New York Rockies. But, Ben, I got to ask, how would you feel about having Trevor Story potentially in your lineup? Because I know that would make you guys even even scarier down the stretch. So I I, I don't mind the idea, but, uh, you know, where do we play? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, we have a great shortstop in Xander Bogarts that, you know, probably will be with us for the long term. Uh, you know, obviously, I think we have to figure out his contract situation, but, you know, I, we should be able to have him for like the next couple of years. Uh, solidify him. He should probably be captain. I mean, I've been a little bit biased here, but I think that over the, this course of this year, he's been really good with the kind of the newcomers on this team. And he's really kind of taken, you know, he loves Rafi. I mean, they're like best friends, which is awesome to see. So like they kind of take each other on their way in here. But um you know, the only option I see story, you know, our second base kind of is a little bit of a, you know, hit or miss, but, you know, that would be kind of the only way that we kind of look at him. I think that we were kind of 
our trade downline situation is upgrade our starting pitching maybe on the back end and yeah. also to see um, some bats maybe off the bench. I wouldn't rule out maybe a guy – I know the Cubs are kind of more in contention, but in the outfield, maybe like a guy like a Chris Bryant. You know, right. I know that his name is kind of fully around, but I think more of a guy like him probably is more of an option than Story for us. So, But it's a good question. Yeah, no, Story, I feel like, is a guy who's very versatile. But, again, with Xander Bogarts being a shortstop, I don't know if you want to mess up that chemistry, but having him at second base definitely gives you options. Maybe you move Kike Hernandez somewhere else in the outfield, too. That's probably another option. But, I listen, Xander Bogarts, I said this on the last episode I had last week. Again, that was another thing I discussed with Alec Walt. I, in my honest opinion, Xander Bogarts is criminally underrated. And, this isn't just me like saying that because you're on the show. Like I truly believe he's a great shortstop that nobody talks about. I mean, look at his average on a year to year basis. It's either at or near or above 300. He's got multiple gold gloves and silver slugger awards. And obviously most important for you, he's got multiple championships. So I don't think, I don't really think that's small potatoes and not to mention he's been, he's been in the postseason on multiple occasions. So it's, it's really surprising that you don't really hear enough of Xander Bogart's name outside of new England. But then again, I think that's also more of an MLB marketing problem, but that's a tangent for another day. Now let me talk about game three. And I got to tell you the the things that I had a big problem with during that game for the Yankees. And you're going to be surprised at what I don't mention yet. Mm. So the first off in the first inning, Gary got that RBI double. Yeah. I believe he had runners on first and second with that hit or may have been based on a huge hit. Gave the Yankees the lead. It was really important at the time because Gary up until that point had been slumping. But let me give you a surprising stat, actually. Gary, over the past seven games, he's actually hitting 292 with a home run and four RBIs. So yeah, he's, picking he's actually started to hit up. He's We're starting to see a little bit of potential. But then again, some of this is against the Twins. So yeah, maybe take that with a grain of salt. But I digress. Back to that inning. He had that double. But then he had second and third, one out. Yankees taking the lead. This was the potential where they could have had a big inning in this game, but here is one of my issues. They don't they don't bring that next run home, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just the first inning. There were plenty of innings where the Yankees had runners on like first or second, second and third, whatnot. Couldn't drive in that extra run, although they did get one more run to make it three one. But like they had plenty of chances to put this game away. Couldn't yeah. do it. My next yeah. issue that I had with this game was Aaron Boone. Mm-hmm. And this is, believe me, this isn't the only issue I had with Aaron Boone with regards to this game. Yeah. He, Domingo Herman pitched a solid game. He went it five and two thirds. He only gave up one run. Here's my issue. You get, you get the first two outs quickly in the fifth, in the sixth inning. And he walks the guy. Okay. No big deal. Why are you pulling him? Like he's pitched so well all game. You don't really want to overuse your bullpen after what's happened the last few days. You're, you're just going to, why not give him a longer leash? That that was like the first – that was the beginning of the end where I kind of had a bad feeling the Yankees were going to lose. I just – I think he probably should have had more faith in his starter. I think walking one batter in the sixth inning really shouldn't have been grounds for wanting to take him out. Now, if he had gotten himself into further trouble and let's say the next guy got a double, okay, no big deal. Fine, I understand. But that was, that was a big mistake on Aaron Boone's part, and I feel like that isn't really being talked about enough because of – what happened later and notice I haven't even mentioned the fact that, that there was a bad call. Notice I haven't even mentioned that as a bigger issue because listen, 
I agree. That was a terrible call. In no way, shape, or form was that a strike. Here's here's what I have after that happened. You had two of your coaches going out and arguing with the umpires. Aaron Boone just sits there. He's like, nah, I'm not going to get ejected. Let's just let Marcus Timms and Phil Nevin handle this. They, they can get ejected. They'll watch from the clubhouse. No. If you're the manager, you should at least, like, have your teams back. I'm sorry. Like, who cares if he gets thrown out? A lot of a lot of guys do it. Like, don't don't just be quiet and like be all nice just because Brian Cashman might be telling you. Just show some passion. Like, what happened to the savages in the box moment? You know, mm-hmm. like that was my big issue. But as far as the bad call, I didn't like it. But like, look, it happens. And the fact of the matter is, there wouldn't have been a bottom of the ninth if if Boone had left Herman in potentially a little bit longer, and if the Yankees had held on this lead and. As you know from discussing sports with me in the past, I hate resorting to the excuse of, oh, the umpire cost us this game, the ref screwed us this game, yada, yada, yada. The Yankees had plenty of opportunities to win this game, couldn't do it. And even after Xander Bogarts had that big RBI single in the top of the, t- uh, I believe it was the 10th inning, mm-hmm. bottom of the inning, Clint gets hit by a pitch. Again, you see the pattern I'm going here? Runners on first and second, no outs. What's the one thing you don't want Miguel Andujar doing in that at bat? No double play, and that's where he hit it. I remember that it, uh, Valdez almost threw it away. I was like, oh, my, oh gosh. my God. My that God. was when you knew the Yankees were done and, and we're going to lose this game. And, like, it, it literally was the safest bet in Vegas, too. Like, anytime, like I said, anytime there's a runner on first and second, no outs, I get more nervous than in years past because them hitting the double plays in this situation – it's extremely common and it's really frustrating to watch in these games. But, you know, again, got to give Bogarts the credit where credit is due for giving that hit and got to give Boston the credit where credit is due. Ben, I got a trivia question for you, by the way. Do you know when the last time the Red Sox swept the series in the Bronx was? I think they said it too on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, I, I would not know. 2011. I believe it was a June series. I remember you won eight of our first of your first nine games that year, actually. Again, okay. another thing forgotten because of what happened in September. But matter of fact, that was actually the first year I saw you guys at Fenway on a road game. August, oh, I believe wow. it was August, Mariano. I think it was the only time I actually saw Mariano blow a save. They're up by one run. He mm. gave up the tying hit. And then, I, if I remember correctly, it was Josh Reddick who got the game-winning hit. It was early August okay. that year. Fun game to be at despite the loss. But anyways, we, I got a few more comments. My stepsister is vouching for me on that. That was a terrible call. <laughs> Meredith, even Ben agrees with you right here. That it was a bad yeah. call. And uh, Ron has another question. He goes, are you worried about any pitchers in particular on the Yankees and Sox in regards to the Siggy Stubson's talk? Well, here's the thing. Garrett Cole, I still – look, I love the guy. I trust him. I trust him every time he comes out on the mound once every five days. He's been great ever since we got him. And I've said multiple times, too, we haven't had an ace like that in such a long time. But with that having been said, here, here's my issue. When he was at that press conference and giving that wishy-washy answer, I believe he said something along the lines of, oh, I mean, there are customs and practices passed down from older players to younger players. I think there are some things out of bounds in that regard. And he also said something like, I don't know how to answer that question, to be honest, like, Either say yes or say no. Like, don't go yeah. clean. I'm. It was a. It was a very vague answer when I saw that. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, like, look. I'm sure he probably does you stuff. Like, look. 
pitchers doctoring the ball is attrition as a tradition that's been as old as the game itself. Like I get that it happens. And personally, I don't really think the sticky substance thing. I think the people are making the sticky substance thing to be a bigger issue than it really is. In my honest opinion, my problem is I feel like if a pitcher is going to do something like that, they should, they should at least be able to put it on their hands. Just don't put it on the ball. That's, that's my right. big thing. Cause yep. it, I can understand them wanting to get a good grip on the ball. Makes sense. I, I just think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Pete Alonzo had an interesting comment about that too, by the way, he said MLB purposely manipulates the baseballs. Now, Here's my take on Pete Alonso. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little bit of a tangent in this, but I think this is oh, a little sure. different to what Garrett Cole is saying. And I think this also kind of ties into Ron's question too. He said he talked about MLB like doing it just because like to manipulate free agents and whatnot. Here, here's my problem with that. If that was really the case, then how come a lot more baseball players haven't really said anything about that? This is just me playing devil's advocate. However, at the same time, I also agree with him in a sense that MLB changing the balls is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. if Ron Manf- like, the simple solution is don't you- just have a normal baseball and have a normal mound size. Like, just enough with those like talks of like trying to adjust the size of things and like let them play the game. That's all I really yeah. got to say regarding well, that. Like, in any event, I'm not really so much worried. I just think it's really an over an overhyped issue. Mm-hmm. That, my honest opinion and. That's not me just saying that as a Yankee fan. I, I just really think there's a lot of scandals in baseball that get overblown. Maybe not so much like the Astros scandal, for instance, but yeah, pitchers doing stuff like that, that's very common. And look, I mean, you guys have had that too. Like, I remember when John Lester had some stuff on, like, it was either his arm or his neck during the World Series. Mm-hmm. I remember when Clay Buckholz was pitching game, he had some weird green stuff in his glove too. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think the New York Post has something on that, so – so it's it's really common and oh my gosh tom hank's got some more on rune rules look i've talked about that on other episodes before but Mm. fully i'm sure there will be other there will be plenty of other episodes where i talk about those unwritten rules that Mm. so to speak you know but yeah what and what what's your thoughts on the whole scandals by the way i mean i can go on for days about this to be honest but um you know it's you know, obviously you have the Astros and the, mm-hmm. the Astros, I I lost obviously a lot of respect for, um, you know, the, 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 obviously the fans I I'm fine with. It's more just the way that team handled it. They just had such a talented roster. They have a talented roster, you know, this year, I, I give credit where credit's due a lot of great players, but obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the Red Sox obviously were, you know, you could say they were caught or whatever, but regardless, you know, you win, you win, uh, you know, they, it's, it's for a lot of you know teams out there, uh, you know that, that have certain types of things that happen. But um, you know, it, it's obviously it's a big problem in baseball right now. Is is obviously the the cheating, but it's also too in terms of the ball. Like you said, we've already seen I don't know how many no hitters. You know, obviously remember it's like no hitter every other day. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of tied down a little bit. You know, the last at least the last couple of weeks here, but um, you know it's. The, the, the game of baseball, obviously, the viewership last year without the fans, obviously, that mm-hmm. not a whole lot. Obviously, now with fans, it's starting to kind of big itself up. But, you know, I'm a huge baseball fanatic. You know, obviously, the history and stuff, you know, I, I'm, I don't really know a whole lot about, I'll admit. But in terms of just the current game, I love it. And, uh, you know, my, it's always been in my blood. But, obviously, it's starting to really die down the last couple of years. It's obviously, it's not the same like it used to be. Uh, obviously, pace of play, too. But, 
Uh, we'll see if they can kind of get their act together, you know, over time. But knowing Manfred, you know, the commissioner itself, it's all on him. And the change hasn't really been there so far. But we'll see how it goes the rest of the way. Yeah, as I've said, I've gotten – I have a really hard time trusting a lot of the decisions he's making because mm-hmm. more often than not, I'm just, like, programmed to assume that whatever he does is going to be bad for the game. And, look, even with all those changes, I'm still – they're still going to have me there watching a lot of games religiously. I'll still probably find ways to go to the Bronx whenever I could or watch like any game, whether I'm at a bar or my living room or whatnot. But at the same time, my concern isn't really about how I see the game. My concern is about how everyone else, because baseball to me, it will always be the national pastime. Now, in a way, maybe that sounds like I'm being like an old head or an old school type of personality, but, the fact of the matter is baseball is a great game and it's got a great tradition and there's a lot of great things about it. I don't really think you need, I think the, the more they tweak it and the more they try to change stuff, the more I say, if it ain't broke, it don't fix it. So that's, that's right. really about all I have to say. And um, before I end the show, I want to ask you, Ben. So the Red Sox have a big series coming up this weekend against Toronto Blue Jays. Now I know the Blue Jays are in first place, but, I've said multiple times on the show that they're the team that I think is probably going to be the biggest threat to the division. Now, don't get me wrong. Tampa's still dangerous. Like, Tampa's never not going to be a threat with the management team that they have and the way they run things. Like, they, they made the World Series for a reason. Say what you want about whether about it being in a pandemic-shortened season, but it, they still got to the World Series. And I still like some of the guys in their lineup, like Kevin Kiermeyer, Austin Meadows, and uh, – Arosa Reina can if he can make the adjustments. I think he's another guy that definitely has potential to do some damage. And um, you know, looking at the Blue Jays, are you are you nervous about this big series with the Blue Jays? Because I think this really could be an opportunity for Toronto to turn things around, especially because you know Robbie Ray had a good outing his last start. Hunjin Rio is still pretty decent. They're really only one or two pitchers away from being completely lethal. And I haven't even gotten to the fact that George Springer is coming back. What's your um, What's your honest take on like the division race, like overall, and how it's going to go the rest of the season? Yeah. So, and I was actually talking with my dad earlier today about this. The Sox kind of, you've kind of seen their ceiling, at least by now. You kind of see, uh, you know, their expectations obviously were so bad last year. So, at least you wanted a better product. We've seen the better product, at least for now. Um, you know, they're competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, besides this Astros team, which I don't know, we seem to just have no answer for. We're currently tied right now, so I'll, at least I'll take that. We'll see knockout them the rest of the way tonight. Um, but thankfully, we don't have to see them the rest of the, the season because we're done after that. They obviously were, um, as Pedro said, our daddies, <laughs> if you remember that. Yeah, I do, all too <laughs> well. <laughs> but uh, uh, the Blue Jays are a very tough team. They're a really good team. And, uh, you know, it's a four-game series, so I, I want to take at least uh, at least two games at best. I think we will miss Ryu uh, in this series, which is big because he is their best pitcher, I would have to say. We'll have Stripling tomorrow. Stripling, I think, is the guy that we could do some damage on. Tomorrow we have Richards, and, you know, we'll see how Richards will do. And then on Saturday, we faced Steven Matz. And I think Steven Matz pitched actually pretty well against the Yankees, if I recall. He's had a good bounce back year, but I think that he he's definitely he – did. He did get the win against the Yankees. You're right. That was uh, that was the game where Vlad Guerrero, I think, hit a big home run too. Mm, okay. And then on Sunday, we faced Robbie Ray. So we will face him. But I think that we could probably be able to at least do some – I mean, we've struggled against lefties. We have always a hard time for some odd reason against right. lefties. I don't know why, but – 
We're going to be facing some lefties in this series, two two righties and two lefties. It's going to be a, a big series. Uh, you know, um, the Red Sox are in second place. You know, obviously, depending on how things go tonight, if they win, they'll obviously take away their two-game losing streak, I think. Uh, and they'll kind of go back another one. They they definitely their season's been kind of up and down, you know, in terms of their streaks. They have like a three or four game winning streak. Obviously, you remember that nine game winning streak, or whatever, earlier in the season. Right, that was amazing. <laughs> but obviously, yeah. that obviously sustained for so long. But uh, you know, they've had some good streaks. They've had some bad. Obviously, that's kind of the way the baseball is. It's such a long season. But uh, they're obviously a much better uh, team than I think a lot of people expected. And obviously, it's been a pleasure to. Watch the games I'm able to. I've been able to basically watch almost every single game this season, which has been good. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, Ben, before I sign off, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. Glad to have you for a second time. And there's no doubt that I'll probably have you again for for multi- many a few more episodes, obviously, because we got definitely got to talk some Yankees, Red Sox. And uh, great to have you. And, uh, folks, before we go, let's, let's not forget, please give us a follow on all our forms of social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review Preview Sports. Until next week for Hitting for the Cycle, I'm Hank and Dichter. I will see you next Thursday.